Welcome to all the Star Trek and sci-fi fans out there. Hello everyone, this is Rico, and this is Treks in Sci-Fi, podcast number 96 for January 7th, 2007. Yes, it's a new year, the first uh, official Treks in Sci-Fi podcast for 2007. It's going to be a, a return to the roots, going to do a classic Star Trek episode this week along with a collectible and some other news and topics that I'll be discussing, and I think you'll all love it. So here we go. Treks in Sci-Fi. Again, this is Rico, and I want to welcome everyone to this week's podcast for Treks in Sci-Fi. First, I've got to uh, kind of apologize a little bit. If my voice still sounds a little nasally, it's because this darn cold of mine is still kind of hanging on. It's uh, It's been over a week now, and it just still, I feel better, but it's still kind of hanging on a bit, so I apologize if my voice sounds a little raggedy, but I'm still going to try to press on. Well, like for a lot of people, this week uh, was back to uh, the usual, back to work, and back to the usual routine after all the holidays. Uh, Kind of a long week, a little bit tiring uh, since I'm still trying to shake off this cold, but uh, it's kind of good in a way to be back to uh, a normal routine. That always kind of helps a little bit. Uh, The holidays, uh, even though it's a lot of fun, it's a lot of work, and it kind of throws you out of whack, I guess, in a way a little bit. It's good to be back uh, doing a regular podcast. I hope everybody enjoyed last week's uh, Skype call show. I really enjoy doing those, and I try to throw one of those in every month or so just to give people a little change of pace and give some of the people that listen to the show, some forum members, a chance to participate a little bit and and talk about some of the cool sci-fi on TV and in the movies lately. Just to give you a a little bit of a preview for what's coming up on uh, the podcast for today, I am going to be looking at a third season uh, original series Trek episode. I'm going to look at the Tholian Web. Uh, This will actually be the first third season uh, Star Trek episode that I've had a chance to look at uh, in depth. Uh, As uh, most Trek fans know, the third season of the original series is not... uh, not the brightest of the episodes that they've ever done. Uh, there are definitely still some good ones in there, but there are some clunkers a little bit. Uh, the classic Spock's brain is uh, is in the third season along with some others. But there are also some really great episodes like the Tholian Web, which I'm going to cover uh, today on this podcast. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. I'm, uh, I'm going to do the format style for the episode where I've collected up uh, audio clips and going to go through talk about a little bit uh give you a little bit of history of the third season uh some things that happened uh related to the original series uh, prior to the third season some of the changes that were made in the show and then we'll get into the episode got a few other topics to talk about before then but uh and then uh after the episode we'll be looking at a uh a new uh collectible it's a star wars piece actually that i got but i'll save that as a little more of a surprise towards the end of the show i think uh It's a pretty neat little item, and uh, I think people will enjoy hearing about it. The first thing I'd like to play, I was kind of going through my uh, slight backlog a little bit, uh, or at least the uh, voicemail calls that I've gotten uh, for the podcast, for the show, uh, over the last couple of weeks, and there's one that I haven't played yet. This is from Scott. He's called into the voice line a few times. Uh, That number, again, if anyone ever wants to call in and talk about Star Trek or anything else, 20688trex is the number. Scott has uh, some comments about the enhanced Star Trek original series episodes that are playing uh, these days. Uh, so I'll play Scott's call and then I'll come back uh, afterwards. Incoming transmission, Captain. Hey, this is Scott from the forums and I have a, a comment about the enhanced uh, Star Trek that's out now. Um... I get two chances to watch it a week. It's on Saturday night at, I think, 10 p.m. and Sunday night at 5 p.m. And I gotta say, I'm I'm 
really liking it, Rico. And some kind of funny happened last or Saturday. Uh, there, there's some some girl that comes on uh, to host uh, the show, and she's from one of the radio stations. She said tonight's episode is Fox Brain, blah blah blah, and she's talking about it. When the episode starts, it's the Menagerie Part One, and even during the commercial, she comes on and, and talks about Fox Brain and everything. It's actually kind of funny how uh, they messed up like that. I actually caught it on my DVR. And Anyway, I'll see you later. Thanks uh, for that call. In uh, Scott, sorry it took me a few weeks to get it on the air on the podcast. The Yeah, these enhanced episodes, they're on at some odd times, and it's interesting that that uh, comment where they put the wrong uh, sort of bumper footage around with the girl talking about Spock's brain, uh, when that wasn't the... Uh, they were showing the menagerie instead. You know, it just shows that they... Uh, you know, these TV stations... Uh, well, they mess up pretty uh, pretty good sometimes, and you'd think somebody would catch something as simple as that, uh, but sometimes they don't. Yeah, I've been uh, trying to catch up with them also. There's some neat effects. The uh, I put on the forums, and I'll try to put in the podcast notes, notes uh, for this week. Uh, there's a cool link out there. I think it's at the trekmovie.com website, but I'll, I'll put a direct link. I'll try to put it in the podcast notes. Like I said, it's in the uh, forums also. But what they've done is they've taken uh, some stills of the episode showing the enhanced uh, special effects in the new versions of the original episodes and compared them to the uh, to the original effects that were shown, you know, in the original episodes. I hope that's clear. <laughs> the uh, but it's a neat little uh, comp- compilation of some, and they've also got a little video on some of the episodes of the ones they've shown so far. It's a really neat little uh, site. I was actually thinking of trying to do something like that for my own website, but uh, I'm actually kind of glad that somebody else is doing it because uh, it's just uh, not enough time in the day to kind of compile all that uh, information in still shots. So if you would like to take a look at that, I'm pretty sure it's there. you can find a link via trekmovie.com, and I'll try to put, it, like I said, a direct link in the podcast notes for this week to uh, look at how the enhanced episodes are different from the originals. Okay, a couple uh, a couple more comments I'd like to make uh, and some items uh, before we get into the Tholian web. Got to move along here. Uh, the first one, uh, this is Podcast 96, and uh, as always, uh, thanks everyone for downloading and listening. But um, in a few weeks, we'll be hitting podcast uh, episode uh, number 100. And I've, I've thrown out, threw this up on the forums, and I just wanted to put a kind of a call out to anyone. I'm looking for audio submissions for... Uh, podcast number 100, already kind of asking for these so people have a chance to get them in. I'd like to uh, get people's audio comments on what Star Trek has has meant to them. Uh, This is kind of primarily a Star Trek podcast, and if you'd like to put together a minute or so of some audio about, uh, you know, what you like about Star Trek, what it's kind of meant to you over the years, uh, what, uh, you know, what kind of influences may have had on your life, perhaps uh, Star Trek... uh, for a lot of people, it has uh, influenced them quite a bit for the fans. Uh, a lot of people uh, got a lot of inspiration from the show, especially early on when the only other original series was around and so forth. But anyway, uh, send those audio comments in. You can either record a direct audio and send it into the email for the show, treksf at gmail.com, or, like I said, you call that voicemail line number. Both of those links and information are at the treksf.com main webpage if you forget or can't write it down right now. Uh, always go there. You can get that information. Uh, so try to get that in the next couple of weeks. I'm anticipating that the podcast 100 show will be towards the end of the month, and I'm trying to make it something, uh, something a little different, something special. Hopefully, have some uh, some other people on the show talking and, and things like that. Got a few ideas, uh, but try to get that audio in, and uh, that'd be great. Uh, a few other bits of Star Trek news to pass on. There's still some more uh, rumblings on the web, and from William Shatner about. Him and Leonard Nimoy doing some cameo roles, cameo parts in the next Star Trek movie. This is still uh, pretty early on. Nothing is is in stone or official yet. But, you know, the basic idea is they might have some cameo roles, which would kind of introduce a, you know, a prequel-type uh, movie when they get around to doing the movie. So that's, uh, that's a possibility. The other thing that's going on is these idea of uh, uh, they're still talking about a Star Trek animated series, possibly just for the Internet. 
that's another bit of news that's going on. And there is a uh, new Star Trek Next Generation comic series. It's kind of a mini-series. I think it's going to be six issues that's going to be coming out in a couple of months. Uh, so keep an eye out if you're a comic book reader. Uh, keep an eye out in the comic book stores for that. And I think that's all the news and information Star Trek-wise I wanted to pass on. Oh, one last thing. I've got it uh, written down here. Uh, the Star Trek New Voyages people are going to do an episode around the classic character of Harry Mudd. He's going to be involved in a upcoming Star Trek New Voyages episode. So that'll be good. Uh, looking forward to that. Uh, and uh, that's it for the news. Like I said, let's get into the uh, Tholian Web episode. Like I usually do, I want to play the preview for the episode. Then I think I think what I'll do, I'll play the preview for the episode. It's about a minute or so. And then I'm going to come back talk a little bit about the episode and uh, the changes and things going on for the third season of Star Trek. So here's the preview, uh, the trailer for The Tholian Web. The Defiant. Fascinating. We see it, but our sensors indicate it is not there. Space itself is literally breaking up. The captain's neck is broken. Bones, what is it? Jim, this ship is dissolving. My hand just passed through a man and a table. We must accept the fact that Captain Kirk is no longer alive. out there to grab a hold of and bring in when that ship went it must have taken the captain with it what is that it is an energy field we shall not see home again okay there you have the uh preview trailer for the tholian web episode now like i said earlier this was uh, an episode in the third season of star trek uh just give you some background i'm not sure how much i've talked about this in the past uh after uh, the second season of Star Trek, NBC basically canceled the show. Uh, they, uh, the ratings had been dropping off. It had never really been a big uh, hit in the ratings department anyway. But it, uh, it really wasn't pulling in the ratings that they'd like. It, it had good, as they say, demographics. Uh, the right type of people were watching the show, just not enough of them, according to the Nielsen ratings. So NBC basically canceled the show. Well, uh... In uh, television history, uh, this is probably the first time this has happened, and in uh, probably the most dramatic, and uh, n you know most people know about that are at least Star Trek fans. But uh, this has been usually attributed to the uh, a couple, uh, a husband and wife team of uh, John and B. Joe Trimble, started a letter writing campaign to NBC basically trying to save Star Trek. They got as many people, as many fans. They started to uh, sort of start a little grassroots campaign to bring Star Trek back for another season. Uh, NBC basically got thousands of letters from fans saying, and these were not uh, angry letters. These were, ang these were very articulate, uh, well-written letters, what they liked about the show, why they thought it should continue. This wasn't like, I hate NBC, you better bring Star Trek back or I'm going to burn down your studios. I mean, these were, uh, you know, most sci-fi Star Trek fans are, are generally pretty intelligent people, uh, let's just uh, say about all of us. And when they wrote these letters, NBC was very impressed by it and decided to give Star Trek a third season, give it another shot. Now, they... Uh, they still didn't really have a lot of confidence in, in how well the show would do. And because of that, they decided to give Star Trek probably one of the worst time slots when it came back for the third season uh, it, it, that was possible. They gave it a uh, new time slot. Uh, it used to be on, on at like 7.30, I believe, on Thursdays, uh, maybe even earlier in the week at times. But it was always on early in the night. Well, when they brought Star Trek back for the third season... They put it on, or they were going to put it on Friday nights at ten o'clock. Now that is traditionally the, the probably worst time slot in in television. Most people, the younger people that they try to appeal to, are out usually on Friday nights. Uh, ten o'clock is, is a bad time anyway. Friday nights especially. So they gave it basically the graveyard uh, time slot. 
And when, when people found out about this, they said, well, they're just condemning Star Trek to, to fail. There's no way it's going to last past thir- a third season. So people weren't very happy about this, uh, especially Gene Roddenberry. Gene Roddenberry was, was very uh, n- unhappy about this situation. Now, Gene had sort of become, uh, as the first and second season, especially in the second season, had gone on, he became more of an executive producer. Unlike when uh, the first season was going on, where he was what's called like a line producer, where he was really involved in the day-to-day show, the filming, uh, all the episodes, the scripts, everything, very direct, hands-on, he became more of an executive producer as uh, the second season went on. Uh, So not really as involved in the show directly. Still, you know, still involved in the show, but not as much as before. Well, he went to NBC basically and said, you know, look, uh, I'm very unhappy with the new time slot, this 10 o'clock Friday night time slot, and I'd like you to uh, to reconsider and give us another early time slot, 7.30, 8 o'clock, something like that. And he basically tried to make a deal with them that said, uh, if, you, if you put us back on early in the night, I'll become the line producer again. I'll become more hands-on with the show. I'll try to get us the quality level back to the way it was in the beginning, uh, really, really become a lot more uh, hands-on with the show. Well, NBC really didn't care. They they had already basically decided the show was kind of on its last legs. The, you know, the letters were great and everything, but they decided, no, we're still going to keep it at 10 o'clock. So, so Gene kind of stuck to his guns. He stayed in the executive producer role, but they brought in a new guy named Fred Freiberger. I think that's how you say his last name. They brought in a new uh, day-to-day line producer guy named Fred Freiberger, who, um, well, let's just say he didn't re- he didn't ever really get Star Trek. He is probably uh, one of the guys that's responsible for the lack of quality, the lack of uh, solid, good sci-fi type stories in the third season. And you know, he was the guy responsible for the each episode, the scripts, everything. He's the day-to-day guy. And it shows in the third season. He really didn't get sci-fi. He really didn't get Star Trek. And this was probably one of the big reasons, besides the fact it was given such a bad time slot, why it never went past three years on the air. So so that was one of the changes, uh, the one of the biggest changes for the third season of Star Trek, why some of the stories were not as good, uh, and, and so forth. They, they changed a few other behind-the-scenes people, the, the, the chief cinematographer, they changed him out, and a few other behind-the-scenes people, like I said. But those were the big things that happened. The time slot and the, the day-to-day line producer change really basically kind of put the nail in the coffin. But uh, before we get ahead of ourselves and cancel the show, uh, we've got a great episode to go through here. The Tholian Web, along with another probably six to ten episodes of the third season, are really great episodes. A lot of interesting things, great scripts, and uh, in, in great script in this episode. And we'll be going through it here as uh, it goes on. The the other thing you notice in the third season is the show looks just a little bit different. The special effects, actually, I think are a little bit better in the third season. And uh, that definitely shows in the Tholian Web. Actually, in the Tholian Web episode for Star Trek, won an Emmy Award for special effects. Uh, You remember the episode's got a lot of neat effects with the Tholians, the Web, the Enterprise being caught in that. And it won a... uh, an Emmy Award, which uh, it didn't really win a lot of awards uh, when it was on the air when Star Trek was on, so that was kind of a nice, nice little thing there. The um, the other thing that they changed in the third season were the uniforms that the crew wore. They wore these velour type uniforms in the first and the second year, kind of a very felt, uh, not really felt, but a fuzzy kind of material had a different look on camera, and they uh, they they changed to this. Uh, I'm not really sure the type of material it was made. It was sort of a little lycra type uh, blend that they used uh, from the uniforms in the third season. It kind of gave them a shinier appearance, uh, all the main uh, cast and crew. Uh, the colors were about the same, slightly different uh, on on camera. But if you look at the, uh, the uniforms in the third season, they all have sort of a little different look compared to the first and second year. Uh, some people like them more, some people like them less. I kind of like the first and second year uniform look better, but... Um, so there we are. Uh, let's move on to the episode itself. This episode obviously is set uh, in uh, the early part of the third season, and the biggest thing about this episode is it doesn't feature uh, William Shatner. It doesn't feature Captain Kirk very much. It's an episode about the crew dealing with uh, him missing in space 
and how Spock has to be in command uh, and the, the conflicts that are going on between him and McCoy. A lot of good uh, character moments in this episode. Lots of good stuff. I, I really like it. One of my favorites, especially for the third season. So uh, that's about enough for me yapping along. Let's move into the episode itself. Uh, I've got about nine or ten uh, audio clips to play. The first one is, you remember they run into the uh, Starship Defiant, uh, is, is the way the episode starts out. And it's sort of uh, phasing in and out of our space. It looks like it's almost a ghost ship. Well, uh, there's a landing party that goes over, and one of the cool things about this episode is they're all in these environmental suits, which you've never really seen before, and these are pretty neat little outfits, and it's uh, Kirk, Spock, McCoy, and Chekhov beam over to the Defiant and find the crew all dead. They actually look like they've, uh, they sort of uh, have choked each other, killed themselves, and, uh, well, later on in the episode, they figure out all about that. Uh, here's the uh, first clip, though besides the preview, uh, which is our, our report from uh, Dr. McCoy, I believe, uh, that takes place when they're over a uh, landing parties over on the Defiant. So listen to this. I'd say these people killed each other. They what? You heard correctly, Jim. These people killed each other. Could mental disease have infected all of the crew? According to the ship's log, the medical surgeon down here didn't even know what was going on. The best I can do is get all the readings I can get and analyze them later. So there you have uh, Dr. McCoy's report, uh, DeForest Kelly. Oh, I'd like to uh, mention this episode, uh, I uh, usually like to say this episode is written by uh, Judy Burns and Chet Richards, directed by a guy named Ralph Sininsky. Yeah, so they're... uh, the writers, I, I'm not really recognizing. I believe this is the only episode of Star Trek they ever did. So, uh, But kudos to them. Great episode, great script. Uh, a few changes were made to their script, to their idea uh, prior to uh, the episode, but nothing dramatic. This one was uh, pretty much came out the way they intended, I believe. The um, the next clip I've got to play for you, uh, The there is... Uh, trouble with the the enterprise starts to have uh, mechanical difficulties in this area of space uh, it starts to have breakdowns and one of the things of course that breaks down is the transporter and to get uh, Kirk Spock uh, McCoy and Chekhov off the defiant uh, they the transporter is only able to uh, here you go only able to take three of them and one of them has to stay behind and of course Kirk volunteers for that situation that that uh, uh, deal so uh, Oh, I wanted to also say, uh, the, the thing I, I like about this episode uh, was, I've always liked the episodes of Star Trek where they've involved another ship in the fleet. Uh, here you have another ship, the USS Defiant. It's uh, another Constitution-class ship like the Enterprise. So, of course, they can use the sets, they can use uh, uh, similar effects, things like that, to show the ship. And uh, it, it doesn't really cost them anything more that way. And it's uh, it's neat. It gives you a little sense more that there's this Starfleet of, uh, of vessels out there patrolling the galaxy, keeping everything safe, exploring strange new worlds. And I, I've always liked that. They've done that in a few episodes. And there's always a lot of fun to see that and learn about some of the other ships in the fleet. Uh, you don't really learn much about the crew or the captain in this particular uh, one, unlike an episode like the Doomsday Machine with the Constitution and... Uh, Matt Decker in command of that one, so that's another time where they got to use another uh, starship in the fleet. But the uh, the next clip here is again the, this is when they're going to transport back uh, with only three of the four of the landing party, which sets the uh, whole episode up because Kirk gets stranded behind. Kirk Enterprise, Mr. Scott. Scott here. Mr. Scott, stand by to beam us back. A cancer, at least not all at once. Why not? What's happened? Everything. That ship you're in is fading out and it's, well, it's ripping the innards out of this one. It's jamming our transporter frequencies. I've only got three of them working and I'm not sure of those. One of you has got to wait. Chekhov, McCoy, prepare for transportation. You too, Spock. Request permission to remain, Captain. I could be completing the data. Request tonight. Captain, there is a chance. I know what the chances are. Mr. Spock, don't argue. Get back with the information. I'll be right there. Scotty, energized transporter. Aye. 
Yeah, it's a typical typical Kirk thing to do. Uh, his crew, uh, he can only uh, take so many of them back. Uh, of course, he's going to volunteer to stay behind. Uh, Spock's kind of trying to uh, talk him out of it, trying to talk into, uh, you know, leaving him behind, letting the rest of them go. But, of course, Kirk won't... Uh, Kirk won't hear of that. He wants uh, the rest of them okay, uh, give them the best chance to get back. So so he sends them back and uh, remains behind. The, the one thing I was noticing when I was collecting the clips, they have uh, everyone's got their name on these little environmental suits. There's a little name tag on the front of them. Uh, when I was watching it, I, I, a little thought came to mind. I was wondering if uh, the real reason those little tags were on there was when they made these suits and they're probably fitted to the different characters you know, the height, the weight, the size of the different actors. I wonder if the tags are more so that, uh, that when they put their suits on, each each of the uh, actors knew which suit to put on, you know, which one was theirs to put on that was fitted to them uh, more than uh, more than just, uh, hey, who's that over there? Oh, I, I, can, I can't, you know, you could see the actors, uh, excuse me, you could see the actors' faces behind the masks anyways. It's not like you needed a label to know, or the the characters would need a label to know. Hey, there's Captain Kirk here. There's Mister Spock. Uh, of course, they could have put tag on the inside of the uniforms, but you know, it was just something I was thinking of when I was watching it. I wonder if it was more for the episode itself, uh, uh, for the actors, rather than uh, hey, he, he we've got these suits on, so uh, it's not like like I said, you couldn't see the faces. You know how like the Apollo astronauts sometimes they have. Uh, or not just Apollo, but the shuttle astronauts, the spacesuits that the astronauts wear when they're out there moon or moonwalking. Excuse me, I'm losing it this morning. Excuse me. Uh, uh, the uh, the the shoots the shoots the suits. Uh, too many cold pills in my system. Sorry, everybody. The suits that they wear, you know, they have those reflective face plates, so you could almost see that they'd need a nameplate on those. So they could identify each other. Not like there's a lot of people out there, you know, floating around around the space shuttle, so they would know who's that. Hey, who's taking a spacewalk right now? Hmm, let me think about that. Better take a look at his name tag. Uh, so that's yeah, just just Rico rambling about uh, things. But I've always thought it was kind of amusing, a little bit in a way that they had those uh, little tags on their suit. You would think uh, uh, the Enterprise wouldn't just have, you know, these people wouldn't have their own personal little. Uh, environmental suits that they'd have sort of a generic small medium large or something like that and they'd go to a locker somewhere although maybe they have a little tag they come they bring along with them and stick it on who knows who knows just one of those little touches that they throw in uh the next clip this one's a uh, uh, kind of short this next audio clip this is just uh, the reaction uh when they get back and uh they do try to of course transport kirk back after the three of them get back and it doesn't work out very well so listen to this clip Negative. That's it. I've done all I can. There's nothing out there to grab a hold of and bring in. When that ship went, it must have taken the captain with it. Okay, so Kirk's gone. Uh, Spock's back. Uh, uh, Dr. McCoy and Chekhov all made it back to the Enterprise. So that basically puts Spock in command of the Enterprise at this time. Kirk is still, he's lost out there. They're going to try to get him back, of course. Um, one thing I wanted to mention here, uh, quite, a, quite a ways back in the series of podcasts that I've done, I used to, uh, I've released about a half a dozen of the Aurora episodes that my friends and I made way, way back when we were in high school uh, of our own adventures on our own ship and so forth. We actually used an idea from the Tholian web for our very first episode, this idea of, of inner space. The idea of that episode, and if you look back in the podcast history, you can find it. Uh, it would be uh, the name of the, it was the first Aurora episode that we did called Rude Awakening. And the, the premise, the idea for that episode is a, a ship, an alien ship, uh, comes to our dimension through uh the, this area of space called inner space that uh, is discovered here by the Enterprise where where sort of different dimensions overlap in space and this, this alien ship comes to our dimension from uh, this alternate uh, universe and starts to attack us. So, uh, so if you want to look back at that Aurora episode, that's where we got the uh, idea for, for from uh, the Tholian web. Now, of course, one of, one of the great... Uh, great things about this particular episode and, and this will be more illustrated on some of the other audio clips that I'm going to play here in a couple minutes 
is it really gives you a chance to see the relationships of the crew and how they deal with the situation, especially between Spock and McCoy with, uh, with Captain Kirk, with Kirk out of the picture. Spock's in command, and Kirk, or excuse me, with Kirk gone, um, McCoy and Spock start to really go at each other, and they don't really have that buffer that they normally have with, with Kirk in place. And I think that's one of the great things about this episode. It shows uh, an aspect, a situation on the Enterprise that's a lot different than the norm and one of the things i really like about it uh, you get to see how the different relationships work out and they also utilize the crew uh pretty effectively there's a lot of checkoff in this episode uh scotty ahura um and uh, sulu even a little bit uh they really really excuse me really utilize the other actors uh, other crew people on the enterprise which is always good to me uh more than just the the kirk spock and mccoy show type thing so I, I enjoy that uh, quite a bit. The next clip. The next clip is our, our favorite Ensign Chekhov uh, on the bridge, our favorite navigator. Gets to do what he does so well. Uh, Walter Koenig uh, gets to uh, scream and go crazy. This, uh, you know, if you remember this episode, this area of space that the Enterprise finds themselves stuck in uh, starts to affect this also happened to the crew of the defiant starts to affect the minds of the individuals there starts to basically make them freak out uh for lack of a better uh term and uh the first person it affects uh probably because he was also on the defiant uh, starts to eventually start to affect a little of dr mccoy spock is uh you know the logical vulcan and and he's not really affected very easily but, but Chekhov starts to uh, flip out, and this is a scene on the bridge, this next clip, where, uh, where that happens as uh, Mr. Spock is trying to explain to him the, the situation and uh, the, the deal that they're in in this area of space and what's going on. Uh, Chekhov gets to um, start to act a little bit strange, even for him. So let's uh, listen to this clip. I don't understand what's so special about this region of space. Picture it this way, Mr. Chekhov. We exist in a universe which coexists with a multitude of others in the same physical space. At certain brief periods of time, an area of their space overlaps an area of ours. That is the time of interphase during which we can connect with the Defiance universe. Mr. Spock, we will be able to retrieve the captain at that time, won't we? Yes. However, the dimensional structure of each universe is totally dissimilar. Any use of power disturbs it. If we are not extremely careful, we shall lose the captain and become trapped ourselves. I see. And I like him? attempting to explain to Mr. Chekhov the nature of our problems in this situation when he attacked. <laughs> I like how, uh, you know, after Chekhov's freaking out and Spock does the old Vulcan nerve pinch on him to knock him out, uh, you know, then he just so calmly uh, explains, well, I was just trying to explain to Ensign Chekhov the problem uh, in the situation that we find ourselves in. It's just a perfect, uh, perfect uh, job by Leonard Nimoy and Mr. Spock there. Classic, uh, classic Vulcan, uh, classic uh, Mr. Spock. So the, uh, yeah, the the crew's starting to lose it a little bit, uh, just like happened on the Defiant. Uh, it's uh, you know, anytime they get to have people get to do things that are a little out of the ordinary, like that, actors get to do that. Uh, I think they have a lot of fun and. Uh, Walter, uh, just like in a, a few other episodes, always seemed to be the guy that was screaming. You know, there's a, there's always one of those actors, one of those people on on all the various Star Trek series. And uh, Chekhov, Walter Koenig got to do that on uh, on the first series. So good for him. Good job, Walter. Uh, let's let's move along. The uh, the the name of uh, this episode, the Tholian Web, was basically obviously due to this new alien race that shows up, which. Uh, which is pretty cool, actually. They use them uh, in, in an episode of Enterprise also. 
uh, the Tholians show up, and you actually get to see them a little bit more. But uh, this episode uh, was the first time in the original series, first time in Star Trek history, that you get to see the Tholians. And the idea is there's some sort of maybe uh, a race that, that lives in a sort of a crystalline environment, a uh, very hot environment perhaps. Their ships are kind of strange-looking, uh, very odd-shaped, and they're, they're much smaller than the Enterprise, but they, they show up, and they, they like a, a lot of aliens always do for the Enterprise and in Star Trek, they, they just show up and say, hey, you know what, you're in our, our space, what are you doing here, get out. Uh, and it's it's like, uh, you know, they're, they're, um, there's always somebody showing up claiming that this is their territory, uh, what are you guys doing here? Uh, this is our spot, you know, get out of my chair, you know, get away. So, uh, so the next clip involves the, when the Tholians show up and, and I like how they do the voices of the Tholians, make them sound pretty alien and you don't get to see them very, very much. Like I said, just on the view screen, but the, they do a pretty good job with them. Uh, so listen to the Tholians, uh, talking to, uh, Mr. Spock aboard the Enterprise. Mr. Spock, I'm receiving a visual signal. Grounds for the main viewer. I am Commander Lestine. You are trespassing in the territorial annex of the Tholian Assembly. You must leave this area immediately. Spock, in command of the Federation Starship Enterprise. Commander, according to the Federation, this area is free space. We claim this territory and are prepared to use force necessary to protect our property we are not interested in your display of force the enterprise is responding to a distress signal from one of our ships and is currently engaged in rescue operations do you wish to assist us i find no evidence of a disabled ship my instruments indicate that ours are the only two vessels in this area the other ship is interspatially trapped it should reappear in one hour and 53 minutes we request you stand by until then. Very well, Enterprise. In the interest of interstellar amity, we will wait precisely one hour and 53 minutes. But be correct. We do not tolerate deceit. <clears throat> Excuse me. The uh, the aliens, uh, the Tholians there, pretty cool uh, race. I like them uh, a lot different than the typical uh, races and aliens you get to see on Star Trek, not humanoid uh, Quite a bit alien, quite a bit different, and um, uh, a really neat addition to uh, Star Trek lore and history. Uh, it's uh, it's nice to see somebody that's not just with a, a funny nose or funny mask or, or makeup on as an alien race on the show. So, like the Tholians, uh, would like to see them. Uh, you know, it'd be great if they'd show them sometime in a, in a new uh, series or, or a new movie. Uh, they never really looked at them in all the. Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, and so forth. I can't, uh, like I said, they showed them in Enterprise, but that was sort of a prequel series, so they uh, they never really showed uh, how they how we were dealing with them in the future, you know, past the original series era. Did they become part of the Federation? Were they more friendly? Blah, 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 you know, that kind of stuff. So it'd be neat to see that someday. Uh, let's move it along here a little bit. I can see uh, time's wasting them. Got a few more clips to go through. Uh, the next one that I want to play for you, I think, is one of the most important uh, parts of the episode. There's a little memorial service. Uh, after they don't retrieve Captain Kirk at this first time where they're able to try to get a transporter lock, but they're not able to retrieve him due to uh, Spock's, uh, you know, he basically figures the Tholians entering the area kind of disrupt the space, and they, they can't get the captain back, and... The, they kind of basically figure he's gone, so they have this memorial service. This one, this clip I'm going to play is, is a little, it's about two and a half minutes or so long, but I think there's a lot of important things in here of how people are dealing with the situation, what Spock says to the crew now that he's in command and all that, and I really like it. It's an important part, and I want to play uh, play it all for you. So it's, like I said, a couple minutes long. Uh, listen to this clip at uh, Kirk's memorial. A few hours ago, the captain elected to remain on board the Defiant so the three members of his crew would have the best chance of returning safely to the Enterprise. His concern was not only for them, but for all the members of the crew of this ship. You all know the sequence of events. We were fired upon by the Tholian ship. 
At that time, Captain Kirk may have been alive. I deemed it necessary to return the Tholian fire for the safety of the Enterprise. The Tholian ship has been disabled. But as a result of the battle, we must accept the fact that Captain Kirk is no longer alive. I shall not attempt to voice the quality of respect and admiration which Captain Kirk commanded. Each of you must evaluate the loss in the privacy of your own thoughts. Attention. Dismissed. formed in the captain's quarters which requires our presence it can wait doctor my duties require my immediate presence on the bridge the captain left a message tape it was his order that it be reviewed by both of us should he ever be declared dead you have just declared jim dead it will wait for a more suitable moment doctor why are you afraid i'll change your present status mental and physical state of this crew are your responsibility, Doctor. At the moment, they are your top priority. The captain's last order is top priority, and you will honor that order before you take over. Great, great stuff there. Uh, DeForest Kelly, Dr. McCoy, he's, you know, of all the crew, he's about the only guy that can talk to uh, Spock, uh, especially when Spock's even in command and uh, captain of the Enterprise can talk to him like that and Spock won't basically, you know, throw him in the brig. You know, there's this last order, this taped order that Kirk had left in, in the case that he'd ever been declared dead. It was supposed to be played by them. And that's what uh, Dr. McCoy is referring to. Um, a neat idea. And uh, the next clip is, is that order played. And I'll, I'll play that clip for you in a second here. But really like this, uh, this episode and these, these scenes, you get to see the relationships and, it was nice for them to put in that little memorial scene. You can uh, you can see everyone's basically, you know, they're not happy about the situation, but they're officers, they're in Starfleet, they're moving on with uh, with what they got to do to work um, work on saving their ship. But uh, McCoy's not letting this go about the last order, and he's basically pushing Spock. Spock's worried about getting the ship out of there. Uh, he's uh, he's you know doesn't think he needs to take the time to look at this order right now, and I think he's also. I think he's also sort of in denial a little bit, even though as a Vulcan, he probably, you know, that wouldn't be a logical response. But, you know, he stuck around. He tried to save the captain. McCoy was actually at one point trying to tell him to just get the ship out of there, save the rest of them. But Spock was the one that sticks behind, that sticks to try to stick around, excuse me, to uh, try to save Kirk. And uh, I think in a way he doesn't want to look at this order, this order tape that Kirk left was just basically because... You know, that would sort of put it all final. It would make it uh, real that, that there was no way they were going to get the captain back and that he was really gone and he was really dead. And Kirk has always been basically Spock's best friend, and for that loss it would be it would be very difficult for him, and he's kind of trying to... I think he's a little bit in denial. So, But let's play the uh, the clip. This is the, uh, the clip in uh, Kirk's quarters of the audio tape that he leaves for Spock and McCoy to uh, listen to. So here you go. Holmes, Spock, since you are playing this tape, we will assume that I am dead. And the tactical situation is critical, and both of you are locked in mortal combat. It means, Spock, that you have control of the ship and are probably making the most difficult decisions of your career. I can offer only one small piece of advice for whatever it's worth. Use every scrap of knowledge and logic you have to save the ship, but temper your judgment with intuitive insight. 
I believe you have those qualities, but if you can't find them in yourself, seek out McCoy, ask his advice, and if you find it sound, take it. Bones, you've heard what I've just told Spock. Help him if you can. But remember, he is the captain. His decisions must be followed without question. You might find that he is capable of human insight and human error. They are most difficult to defend. But you will find that he is deserving of the same loyalty and confidence each of you have given me. Take care. I think that's... uh... That's a very well-written bit of dialogue there. Uh, You can really believe that that's the kind of dialogue, the kind of speech, uh, in a way, that that Kirk would leave for Spock and McCoy to listen to in case he died. It fits perfectly with their situation. They're kind of at odds with each other. Uh, Spock's trying to make the right decisions, but, you know, he's never... Command doesn't really suit him, not like it does Kirk, and he needs some advice occasionally, and Dr. McCoy is kind of there for that. Uh, So... Kirk's basically trying to tell them to work together, that if they work together, they can solve things. If they fight each other, they're going to have problems, of course. So really like that uh, great, great scene, great bit of dialogue there. The next uh, clip, I'm going to move along a little quick here at the end. Uh, this one is, there's a scene on the bridge where where Kirk Kirk's kind of appearing to different people on the ship, and uh, at first they're thinking this is just an all uh, hallucination due to being in this area of inner space that they're in uh and it's affecting their their judgment and their minds but uh spock and scotty sees them they're up on the bridge mccoy's there too and so they realize he's actually still floating around out there the defiant slipped through slipped away but kirk still is out there floating uh sort of trapped between dimensions and they see him so here's the clip for that scene on the bridge what is it mr scott mr scott just seen Captain Kirk. He was standing there just as plain as we are. And then he just disappeared. Report to the bridge immediately. That sounds like a horror story. You suppose there's any truth in it? In critical moments, men sometimes see exactly what they wish to see. Do you suppose they're seeing Jim because they've lost confidence in you? I was merely stating a fact, Doctor. It's getting critical. There have been a number of salts down on the Lord decks. Even Scotty's being affected. If Scotty goes under, that's the finish of whatever chance we have of getting the Enterprise out of here. Please leave that to me, Dr. McCoy. I realize that the crew are your prime concern. You can best serve them in your laboratory. I urge you to confine yourself to it until a remedy has been found. Spock! <sighs> Must be this space is getting to me, too. I... I know it's nothing you've done, Spock. I, I'm sorry. I understand, Doctor. I'm sure the captain would simply have said, forget it, Bones. Yeah, good good stuff again there between Spock and Dr. McCoy. Uh, one of the rare times uh, Spock sort of calls uh, Dr. McCoy Bones. Uh, like that, that's a nice touch uh, that they put that in there. Uh, the next uh, scene, uh, of course, I've got to play for you how they uh, come up with uh, or the antidote to this, this area of space that they're in to keep everyone from uh, freaking out. And, and I kind of like this scene. Uh, Scotty's really good in it uh, because of the antidote. Is uh, Yeah, it's a little like alcohol. And, of course, when uh, that's involved, Scotty's got to be nearby. So listen to this clip. What is it? It's a diluted Theragun derivative. Theragun. A nerve gas used by the Klingons. Why, and deadly too. What are you thinking of, Doc? You're trying to kill us all. If I remember correctly, it caused fatality only when used in pure form. That's right. And in this derivative, mixed with alcohol, it merely deadens certain nerve inputs to the brain. Oh, well, any decent blend of scotch will do that. Oh, one good slug of this, and you could hit a man with phaser stun, and he'd never feel it or even know it. Does it make a good mix with scotch? It should. I'll let you know. 
Yeah, so uh, so Scotty runs off with the rest of the antidote in the bottle, at least that Dr. McCoy brought up the flask. Uh, it's, uh, you know, that's one of the things I always enjoyed about the original series versus like the next generation where they use synthahol and junk like that. And, uh, you know, these guys still had a drink now and then, you know, they understood the uh, the benefits for that. So uh, I, I've always enjoyed that. You know, they're not, it's not like they're drunks or alcoholics, but, you know, hey, it's not bad to have a drink now and then. So at least that's, uh, that's what I like on, uh, that they show that on the Enterprise. It's a little more real. So uh, the last clip. Like I normally do, this is a clip. They've already got uh, Kirk back with this clip. The, this is the end scene up on the bridge. Uh, basically, you know, they uh, they get out of the web that they're, the Tholians are trying to circle them in. Not really a lot that you can play audio-wise. But the uh, the last clip here, this is after uh, Kirk is, uh, like I said, gotten back. He's on the bridge, and there's an end scene here with uh, Kirk, Spock, and McCoy on the bridge of the Enterprise that I think is pretty uh, good to play. So uh, I'll play that for you uh, right now. How did you two get along without me? Oh, we managed. Uh, Mr. Spock gave the orders, and I found the answers. Good. No, no problems between you? None worth reporting, Captain. Try me. Mm, only such minor disturbances as are inevitable when humans are involved. Which humans, Mr. Spock? Oh, he means that when humans become involved with Vulcan's gem. Ah, yes. I understand. Well, I hope my last orders were helpful in solving any problems that you don't feel worth reporting. Orders, Captain? What orders are you referring to, Jim? My last orders. The, the last orders that I left for both of, for both of you. The last taped orders. Oh, those orders. Well, there, there wasn't time. We never had a chance to listen to them. No, you see, the crisis was upon us and then passed so quickly, Captain, that we never... Good. Good. Well, I hope we won't have similar opportunities to test those orders which you never heard. A head walk back to two, Mr. Sulu. Warp back to two, sir. So there you have uh, Trex and Sci-Fi, Rico's look at the Tholian web. Uh, one of the better episodes from the third season. I hope you enjoyed looking at, uh, at that with me. I, I enjoyed... Uh, kind of catching up on the episode haven't seen it in a while and it's always a uh, always good one to watch again i'm going to take a uh, very quick little break here but while i take the break i'm going to play a uh, audio clip from a listener this is uh an audio clip about the uh the tholian web so listen to his clip and i'll be right back hi rico and to everyone in treks in sci-fi this is peter from denby north wales in the uk Rico, I'm really pleased that you are doing The Tholian Web, as it is one of my, well, it's one of my favourite episodes. I think the show, that particular show, is great for showing the relationships between the crew and also how they work together. It is an unusual episode, as it does introduce conflict between the crew members and shows the importance of a captain or the captain, Kirk, being at the helm. It is also an episode that I found uncomfortable to watch and it's a little bit like the Galileo 7. It's difficult because the original series, it is based around the friendship of the main crew rather than, say, any conflict such as in DS9. I must say that the DS9 conflicts characters, uh, they are quite comedic at times. Anyway, another aspect, Barbara Babcock is in this episode, and she was once voted one of the top 50 most beautiful women. Though bizarrely we don't get to see her in the episode, she is the voice of the Tholian big boss, Lesko or Losgain, I can't remember uh, what the name is, but I think it begins with L. What I should do is Google it, I think I'll Google it in a minute. But I think Barbara Babcock, she did do a few voices for the show. I'm not sure if she appeared in, I think she may have appeared in one. Enterprise did a Mirror Mirror episode, oh, rather I should say an alternate an alternative universe episode around the Tholians, which I haven't yet seen, but I might try and find it after listening to your 
podcast about TOS Tholian episode. By the way, a great Skype podcast. I really enjoyed it. It was very funny, especially Duke eating his chips. I love the podcast, Rico. Keep them going, amigo. Bye-bye for now. Yes, thanks very much for uh, for those comments, Peter. I really appreciate it. Uh, glad you enjoyed the Skype call last week. Yeah, Duke and eating the chips on, on air was kind of funny. The comments that you made, yeah, Bar- Barbara Babcock, excuse me, Barbara Babcock as the voice of the Tholians in this episode, yes. Uh, she's kind of, uh, well, she's been around a, a lot of television over the years. Uh, she, I believe she was on the uh, show uh, Hill Street Blues. She also was in an, uh, as herself, you saw her, uh, the actress at least, in an episode of the original series, also the third season, called Plato's Stepchildren. So she was in that one, one of the um, <clears throat> the uh, the godlike uh, aliens that they run into in that episode. And the uh, the comment about the uh, the Enterprise episode, yes, that uh, I didn't mention that really as I was going through the Tholian web. I probably should have more, but there's a sort of a uh, in a way a follow up to the Tholian web that Enterprise did a two parter, pretty cool two parter, set in the Mirror Universe called Inner Mirror Darkly from the fourth season, and the 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 gist or the the uh, the basic premise of that idea in the Mirror Universe uh, that the Defiant, uh, since it slipped through inner space. Uh, is uh, captured in the sort of mirror alternate universe by a um, the Enterprise from the past. You know, this would have been 100 years in the past. If they got a hold of a uh, Constitution-class uh, ship like the Defiant, they could really wreak some havoc, especially when in the mirror universe uh, they're not really nice guys, the Federation at that time. So definitely check that out. The fourth season of Enterprise, really good. And along those lines... The Sci-Fi Channel this week uh, coming up, at least in the United States, is going to start showing Enterprise. I believe it actually starts um, it start today, Sunday, or Monday. I'll have to look, but check your local listings. Check sci-fi.com. I think it's tomorrow. I think it's Monday. I think they're going to show like four episodes back-to-back starting at around 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So check that out. So, yeah, a lot of good stuff there. Okay, folks, uh, for the last thing I want to talk about this week is a collectible. Uh, This is another uh, statue in the Star Wars universe uh, made by Gentle Giant. This is the animated-style Darth Vader. Uh, It's a a really nice piece. Uh, It's, again, it's not, uh, you know, it doesn't look traditionally like Vader, but it's, um, like I said, it's supposed to be in the animated style. If he was in a cartoon form, uh, this is how he might appear. Sort of like they did with the, uh, excuse me, the Princess Leia R2-D2 that I talked about a couple of weeks back. And a few others, they're doing a Luke, they did a Boba Fett, uh, and a lot of others. The statue's about, uh, it's in the same scale, I guess they're about one-eighth scale or approximately like that. They're, it's about uh, nine or ten inches tall. Uh, he's all in black, of course, he's Darth Vader. Uh, it's uh, the uh, interesting one of the interesting little glitches on this statue from Gentle Giant is on the bottom of the statue, uh, the printing on there. You know, it was made by Gentle Giant. The number of the piece and everything. They have Darth Vader actually misspelled on this item. They have it spelled D A T H, no R. They left the R out, and then Vader is spelled correctly. Space Vader V A D E R. So they made a little goof up over in China or wherever these things are painted up and and uh, the. The numbering and lettering is put on the bottom. I think they're made in China, just like about everything these days. But they uh, they goofed up spelling Darth Vader on the bottom, which is kind of uh, interesting. Gentle Giant is offering a replacement little uh, plaque that you can get to put over that on the bottom of uh, the piece. But I kind of like it. I like those little goof-ups uh, like that. As long as it doesn't destroy or it's not like they you know, painted Darth Vader pink or something like that. You know, it's... Uh, the statue is awesome looking, I think, and I got a really good deal on it, actually. There's a local comic book store that I visit uh, in uh, the Novi, Michigan area, for those familiar with this area at all. Uh, it's uh, it's a pretty cool little store, and they're having an end-of-the-year 40% off sale. These things go for about 90 bucks or so, $89, $90, and they had a 40% off sale, so I got it for about $50, and I just, for that price, I couldn't pass it up. It's a really nice piece. I, I like Gentle Giant's work. They're, they've just started a collector's club. If you go to Gentle Giant Limited, GentleGiantLTD.com, they just started a collector's club, uh, kind of like Master Replicas is doing. So for uh, Gentle Giant, for 50 bucks a year, you'll get uh, special deals, discounts, uh, a special little piece, I think, once it, 
uh, a year, a little collector society item and things like that. Check their website out for more details. But I signed up, of course, and really like the stuff General Giant puts out. They put out a lot of, uh, you know, accurate-looking statues along with these animated line and, and, and little mini busts. Lots of nice stuff uh, they're doing in the Star Wars universe. Uh, so check them out when you get a chance. And, and this is another nice uh, nice item from them. I'll have some photos up. Check the podcast notes. Check the collection gallery links off the Trek SF uh, homepage and you can find some more photos of uh, this pretty cool statue. And folks, uh, that's going to wrap things up for uh, this week's for Treks in Sci-Fi. Again, as always, I really appreciate you listening to the show. I want to also, again, thank folks that have donated uh, via the PayPal link at the main website. I guess they enjoy the show enough to donate a little bit of money. Uh, I'm currently saving to get an additional microphone for the show, something a little higher level, and hopefully uh, sometime in the next month or two, hopefully do that. Uh, I really appreciate it to the guys and and people that have donated, uh, thanks a lot. Uh, always, uh, if you get a chance, uh, vote for the show on Podcast Alley. It's a new month, a new year. Always appreciate those votes. And uh, and send me your uh, your emails and your requests for for podcasts coming up. I've got a lot of good ideas for for upcoming shows for 2007. Going to do another Trek music show. Uh, Going to continue, of course, to cover various uh, cool Star Trek episodes, keep everyone up to date on Star Trek and other sci-fi news and information. Uh, hopefully be getting a lot more Star Trek movie news in the next uh, few weeks, next month or two. So lots of good things coming up in 2007. So I hope everyone who's been listening to the podcast continues to do so. And until next time, uh, this is Rico signing off for this week. I will talk to you again soon, uh, possibly midweek, maybe just uh, next weekend. We'll have to see how things go this week. So until then, thanks, everyone. Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye for now. This has been a Rick Dosti production. This podcast, copyright 2006, all rights reserved.